Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Pillow Talk. I'm your host Ashley. And I'm Travis. And Pillow Talk, as you well know, is now the show where we talk about what grinds our gears and other real shit. You told me I couldn't do a what grinds my gears. <laughs> I mean, don't we do that anyway? Yeah, but I was going to do the whole Peter Griffin thing and you told me I couldn't do that. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> yeah. The horse is here. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, um... So today we're going to be, you know, we we talked about after the episode that we did on um, our kind of the process we're going through uh, as grieving parents right now, talking about we wanted to do more shows where we talk about kind of real world, real life struggles that we deal with on a day-to-day basis in hopes that maybe, you know, you guys listening out there might be able to apply it to your own lives or relate it to your own lives or just kind of, you know, to know that you're not alone. And today we're going to be talking about, unfortunately, um, toxic relationships. Now, I think we sort of touched on that just a little bit, talking about uh, toxic masculinity last month. And so we're going to explore more avenues of that being um, toxic relationships, toxic friendships, toxic family, and even toxic workplace environments. So that being said, before we delve into those murky waters, Travis, I think I already know the answer to this. How's your month been? Kind of crap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not great. How so? Ah, like just this month? Yeah, just this month. We okay. talked about last month already. Did we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just been tough, you know, some good days, some bad days. Uh, football season has started again, and with my job, that's bad for me. <laughs> uh, makes life difficult. Um, and it's way too fucking hot still for September. Okay. You make that seem so much simpler on the surface as opposed to what, how my month has been. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's it? Nothing, that's all I got. Nothing personal? No, that's oh. all I got. Okay. Fine. I, I guess this is going to kind of tie into what we're going to be talking about. Um, it's been a really extremely shitty month in the uh, the grieving department for me I guess and it's not that um, any month is easier they're all shit months but this past month in particular has felt probably just as bad as that very first one at at least on my side of it Um, but again we'll we'll get into that in a little bit but I I was just going to talk about what happened yesterday like, yesterday is probably one of the worst days I've had in a while. Yeah, you kind of had a freak out. I, I did. So, um, we talked about how Travis and I went to work very quickly after London's passing. Um, Travis going back a week after, unfortunately. And I went back two months later, which Travis is looking at me like, that. that's kind of long enough. But... When I've spoken to other people, and I'm not going to mention her name on this show, I did speak to someone that I work with who actually went through the same exact thing Travis and I did, down to the circumstances. And her child was already an adult, 
and it happened eight years ago, but she's still struggling. And she said that she stayed out of work for eight months and was still not ready to go back. And I fully, fully understand that because after two months, I was not ready to go back. I'm still not ready to be back. Um, there are things that happen once in a while that I don't expect to. Like, um, for instance, when I very first went back, being in that emergency room where I had been with London the month prior, or sorry, the week prior to her death, was not an easy place to go back to. Um, the place where she was turned away was not an easy place to go back to be at work and be loyal to. Um, but one, you got to make a living. Like Aiden says, donuts still have to get made. Um, two, my loyalty is not so much to my company as it is to my coworkers because I have made a not just friends at this point, but I have made family there. People who every time I have had a nervous breakdown, and I would say there have been several at this point, have been there to comfort me and give me what I need. Um, and there have been people that have not. So sometimes being in that environment is still tricky. But one of the things that kind of made things worse, at least in the last couple of weeks, was, um, and, and it happens a lot in medical, we have, we have a high turnover rate in my department. And we, we, left, we had somebody quit due to a medical condition, so that's, that's not her fault. She didn't quit just to quit. Um, and my heart goes out to her for her, what she's going through. But that unfortunately left us understaffed. And so I had to toggle back and forth between night shift and day shift for two weeks. And I was sick right in the middle of that for starters too. And went right back before I was kind of ready over, over my sickness. And when you're like, if you're going, I'm just day shift, you know, everybody does that. That's fine. But people who aren't accustomed to working a night shift, Travis and I have both have had to deal with this. It sucks and it's hard. You lose any sense of, what do you, what do you call that? You track time differently. Yeah. Um, I was overnight for, what, nearly three years? Something like that. And I don't know, fuck. I didn't know what day it was most of the time. Yeah, and I, I would, just knew that either this is a, I either work today or I don't work today. That's how I measured time. Right. Yeah. And since those two days kind of bleed together, the night you go in goes into the next day, you still go in thinking it's the same day, even though it's a different day. Yeah. I don't, it, yeah, you lose yeah, all midnight, sense of time. Midnight doesn't matter. No. If you go in on a Monday. It's still Monday when you when leave. When you get off in the morning, it's still Monday. Yes. <laughs> and then you go to bed and you wake up and you're like, oh, it's still Monday. It's still Monday. Yeah. It's, so, it sucks. It's weird. So I'm doing that going back and forth. And since Travis is getting up at fuck all o'clock in the morning to commute, um, that leaves me pretty much taking care of everything else and going to work so i'm still taking kids to school i'm taking kids to work i'm still running errands i'm still cooking and cleaning all while trying to go between these two shifts so when i got off work yesterday well for starters at work 
yesterday. It was it was a bad day. I ended up losing my shit at work again, crying. It was a whole ordeal and mess. Um, I I got off work and I was just exhausted and I hadn't had anything to eat the entire ten hours that I was there. All I had was four shots of espresso <laughs> in coffee, in normal coffee, and. I was still yawning. I was still exhausted. So the caffeine wasn't even doing its job. But add on top of that, that I was just sick, like literally sick. So I came home and took maybe a two hour nap. Maybe it might've been just an hour and a half. And I had to get up and take Aiden to work because he doesn't have a car yet. And came back home and went back to sleep and by that point, I was having the most god-awful lucid nightmares that were humanly possible. Um, I got really sick in my stomach. So, yeah, that was, that was yesterday. So I slept until, I think, 1 o'clock this afternoon today. Thankfully, Travis is, is off today, so I was able to really get some rest. But, god damn, it sucked. Like... Anybody who, who works a night shift knows how bad it sucks. Well, <coughs> I kind of liked working nights, but the night what you're doing is not typical of nights because normally you don't swing back and forth. Right. And a lot of places that do nights, they do a four-on, three-off type of schedule. So, yeah, this doing a couple days on days and then having a day off in the middle and then going back to nights is not normal. I don't think it's healthy either. I'm sure it's not. I don't necessarily think that should be asked of you as an employee either <laughs> you know to put yourself in a dangerous situation like that you know especially when the your employer knows that you have children that depend on you <laughs> okay <laughs> i don't want to lose my job <laughs> anyway uh that's that's pretty much been mine we're we're still just kind of doing the best we can when we can and you know Wait, waiting for the upshot to happen. That's right. not happening yet. <laughs> so, Travis is looking at me like, "Alrighty, I'm, I'm moving on. Let's move on." <laughs> so, we have, we have. Uh, I feel like I'm talking too much with everything that has been happening with London. We have had to sever some personal relationships. Um, on both sides of our family because one thing that you will notice when you have a death is that everybody seems to have an opinion on how you should grieve and for the most part I have been extremely lucky in that I have had a, a close group of people near to me um, I actually uh, I gave a lot of credit to Kent a little while ago because he was one of the first people that told me grief is not linear. It's it's not a thing that happens one way and goes, you know, it goes from point A to point B. You're going to swerve here and you're going to swerve there. You're going to go forward. You're going to go back. It's, it's a very sketchy thing to, to have to go through. But that being said, I have had more than one person tell me, well, London wouldn't want you to feel like this. London wouldn't want you to do that. London wouldn't want you to be sad, and she wouldn't want you to be depressed, and she'd want you to do this, that, and the other. 
And I don't know how anybody who has ever lost anyone, let alone a child, could tell you how you're supposed to do that. I think everybody's an expert, or they think they are. They think they've got it figured out, especially if they've never had to deal with it. Right. And that's just, that is something that I have been struggling with a lot. Um, I can't even put into words how much of a betrayal it feels like when the people that you're supposed to have to lean on for support and comfort are the ones who are causing you more grief, I guess. Um, if this had happened to someone close to me, first off, I wouldn't be telling them what to do. You should never tell anybody what to do when they lose someone. All you can do is be there to support them and give them what they need. You know, um, let me handle dinner for you tonight or this week or this month even. There's no time limit on that, in my opinion. Um, need, do you need a night? away from the kids, you know, for, for you guys just to have together or whatever. Um, do you need a weekend from the kids? Just to have a vent session every, every once in a while and have those vent sessions remain in confidence and not, you know, there's also a lot of people that don't want you to be home alone, even though sometimes we just need to be alone. You know, we just need that time to decompress, especially if you are tackling on going back to work. You need that time alone. But you, unfortunately, you also have people with the good intentions of let's get you out of the house. Let's go do things. Let's go have fun and get your mind off things. And to me, that's not necessarily therapeutic either, because all that's doing is keeping your mind busy and keeping you just kind of like a chicken with your head cut off running around all the time instead of, okay, what I really need is to sit down and process my feelings and go through it. You know, if I want to get out of the house, so to speak, I want to do that with Travis and the kids. I want us to do that together as a unit. I don't, this is the other reason I have a problem going back to work is I, they need me right now and I need them. We need each other, you know, and Go, getting pulled in opposite directions all the time. And I, I realize I just said, you know, maybe you need to break away from the kids. But I feel like in a marriage, you have to work on that relationship too. Um, I, I used to get so, so, so mad at Travis when we were first together. Because I was in the pretty bad throes of manic, of manic episodes, multiple. And Travis used to tell me all the time... You cannot help anybody else until you help yourself. You're not going to get better until you work on yourself. And I used to get so mad at him for telling me that all the time. But in this situation, I that has never been made more clear that that is of the utmost importance. And one of the things people have loved to tell me is you still have two other kids. You have to be strong and you have to be there for your kids. But unfortunately, if you're delving off the deep end, how are you going to help them? You you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. And that is why you tend to lean on your family and your friends and those closest that way 
when you are at your worst, you know that there is someone trusted around there to help you. I mean, the phrase, it takes a village, is there for a reason, especially when it comes to raising kids. You, it is perfectly, I don't, I don't like the stigma that asking for help is weak. It's because it's not. Everybody needs help sometimes, and it's oh, perfectly okay to ask for that help. You don't have to go through through things alone. The only person that 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 is holding you back is yourself, I guess. Okay, I'm, I'm done on that rant over. <laughs> Travis, do you have any thoughts on that? Not really. I mean, I I just went back to work, and I work with a bunch of guys. So I mean, there was that first week or two where they all like, you want to talk about it? No, fuck you, shut up. That was kind of. Like, if I wanted to talk about it, we would be talking about it. But we're not, so shut your mouth and don't look at me. Um, <laughs> I don't... Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know them that well. And even if I knew them better, I'm still not going to talk to them about it. Right. Uh, mostly because I learned very early on in my work career that you can't trust people that you work with. Uh, with anything that's personal. Mm-hmm. Because they're immediately going to go share it. So... None of that stuff's free. You were talking about people like they don't say, well, you know, I'll take care of dinner for you tonight or, or something like that. They're not going to give anything that costs them anything for the most part. You know what I mean? That's the stuff you rust. But your, their opinions, their opinions they will give because that doesn't cost them anything. Those are free. <laughs> they can share all the stupid bullshit quotes they want with you for free. Uh, so as long as they don't have to do anything meaningful, they're there for it. But Which I say that, and that, but we have had some fantastic people that have really helped us out. But by and large, uh, no. <laughs> That's not how it's been. Uh, yeah, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody wants to tell you what you did wrong then and what you're doing wrong now. Um, and what I can say to all of them is just go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's different. And, and the one's like, it's going to be okay. No, it's not going to fucking be okay. It's not ever going to be okay. It's just not. This is just how life is for us now. Uh, it's not the same as it was. It's not the way it should be. It just is. And we got to learn to deal with it the way it is. But that doesn't mean that it's okay. And I hate that saying. Yeah, I hate the new normal saying too. Yeah. Like it's not normal. I, I think I've said this before. I was listening to this podcast. And they were talking about our walk with grief. Which their situation and the way they lost their person... Uh, was completely different than ours, but they kept talking about your walk with grief and your season of grief. Fuck you. <laughs> Grief's not a walk, it's a war, and some days I'm holding my own and some days I'm losing. Yeah. I feel like most days I'm losing. Mm-hmm. Um, I work by myself for the most part, though. So, you know, if I need to have a moment, then I just make sure nobody's there and I have my moment. Um,. Mood swings have been a thing, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but I'm a guy. And I think as we discussed on the last Pillow Talk, we're only supposed to have two emotions, rage and horny. So it's mostly rage. <laughs> it's, I would tell you, it's only rage at work. <laughs> um, that's the only one I've got. So, uh, yeah, I get kind of a wide berth at the moment. People steer, steer clear, which is fine. You want some help with that? Nope, fuck off. <laughs> I just... I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't people well. I didn't people great before. I don't people well at all now. And uh, like being in super crowded places, places where people are being really, really loud. 
Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't deal with with just loud now anymore. Sudden noises and shit like that. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. That uh, that sets me off. It doesn't necessarily make me jump because I've got well, you know, mm-hmm. I don't jump. I'm not the a jump kind of person. That's some kind of. I think that means you're a psychopath when you're when you don't jump. Uh, it's kind of like when your eyes don't dilate as fast as they should. It means you're insane. Oh wow! Can we practice that on each other? Can we practice that on yeah. each other later? <laughs> yeah. Well, th- so back to American Psycho. That was one of the things that I had seen. That that's the reason Willem the friend was using the uh, CD case to kind of reflect light into Patrick Bateman's eyes mm-hmm. was to see if his, if it reacted. Right. And it's supposed to be a test to see if you're a sociopath. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't jump, but I, I still, like, it instantly sets me off when they're super loud. Like, we went somewhere today, and there were these two girls, and they were having a good time, and they weren't hurting anything. But God damn it, they were being loud. And they it seemed like every time we turned around, they were right there in our business. And I'm like, we got to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to go. Uh we had we had an incident like that with Isabel a couple of weeks ago where there were there was a group of teenage boys and they were uh, <laughs> well we were in spirit halloween let's just go ahead and give them a shout out um we were in there uh getting stuff and so this was a bigger one that we had never been to before so had, they had all these displays of the animatronic are you going to tell the whole story i do <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh! I see what you're saying. You're you're proud of the story. No, I just don't know if we should. I don't know if we should. Uh, um, well, we we can tell it in the nice version. Um, uh, anyway, there's no nice version. There was a group of boys that were old enough to know better. Let's just say that um, throwing stuff back and forth, and we had these animatronic uh, puppet things going off, and we had been there a number of times when those things had not bothered Isabel at all. You know, she'd walk just by him or whatever. But you add into that the fact that Isabel now suffers from PTSD and anxiety. Uh, those things going off and these boys throwing things that are hurling past our heads. Hers included just whizzing right by. And she was almost in tears because she was terrified. She was having an anxiety attack. And I'm trying to keep her calm. I'm trying to keep her distracted. Hey, let's go over there. And every time we tried to get away from this group of guys, it was like it just got 10 times worse with every passing. So it it just sucked. It sucked so much. So I would say none of us are dealing with that very well right now. You know, yeah. you could just choose to omit that part out, right? <laughs> I could. No, I don't know. But it's a good illustration of the rage moment. Because uh, one of them threw something. I don't know what it was. And it whizzed by, like, between me and Isabel. And I just looked dead at one of them. I said, if that hits us, one of y'all's getting fucked up. <laughs> and they, all three of them booked it out of there. But, like, it just, that went all over me. Like, that was that was a level of anger that I haven't felt in, in a while. Yeah. Like, I might I might as well have been a teenager again that couldn't control their emotions anymore. I was just, I was, Jesus Christ, I'm nearly 43 years old and I haven't been that ready to throw down in a long time. Yeah. But yeah, the loud noises and the rambunctiousness and all that stuff. And those, but those boys, they were being assholes. 
Um, these girls today, it set me off. But I mean, honestly, they were just being teenage girls. Yeah, I think they, they were making a TikTok or something. They were videotaping each other, taking pictures or whatever. And it wasn't anything wrong. But it was the loud in the proximity. And yeah, stuff that's loud now, especially if it happens close to me, I just can't. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I don't it, know what that means. It took me probably two months before I could hear, even hear a gunshot on TV again. Because those would just... Oh, man. Those would just freak me the fuck out. Um, so we're... Yeah, we're still... We're still struggling. And so when people tell us, you know, this is how you should handle this. This is how you should behave. Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing this? And when it comes to my kids, especially right now when it comes to my kids, when someone is telling me how to parent, I can't. I cannot right now because I already feel like there's those feelings that I have failed one of my children. And I know some of you out there are going, no, no, you didn't. Um, one of my good friends has, has been absolutely instrumental in telling me like, no, this is not your fault. And that's never, I mean, that, that mindset of mine is never going to change. I'm always going to feel like it's my fault no matter what. Um, so I'm already feeling like a failure as a parent right now, but for somebody to go and tell me how I'm further failing at parenting, it's not helpful at all. It's like, instead of telling me what I'm doing wrong, why don't you try to help me? No, nah, I don't. I wouldn't encourage that either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like actual help, not yeah. what they interpret to be help. Well, <clears throat> because like, sorry. like my um, mother and my sister right now are being actually they helpful. are but they are <laughs> coming forward in a more of a what do you need today yes kind of way um the others though it's it's another one of those it's it's advice so they're they'll give you all the advice in the world because it doesn't cost them anything um we know what our kids need and i don't know what they it's none of their fucking business for starters but We've sat down and talked. I'll just use Aiden as an example. We've sat down and talked to him many times. How are you doing? What do you need? You know, do you feel like you need to... And initially it was, do you feel like you need therapy? Do you want to go see somebody? Do you need to talk to somebody else? Um, you know, medications, all that stuff. We ran through the whole thing. And initially it was no, and then it turned into yes. And so we, you know, we're kind of feeling it out. What to each one of the kids need right to try to meet those needs and help them through it because we're we're trying to find our own way too yes but when you have people come up and they're like oh you you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to do this no i really don't like i get it that that's probably what you would do <laughs> but i'm not you but you know Aiden's 17 years old and we've had this talk and it was good, honest conversation and he's not ready for that yet. Therapy, therapy is not going to work if you don't want it. You know what I mean? Right. So, and you can't force somebody to do that yeah. either. You yeah, can't, you can't hold them down against their will clockwork orange style. And well, I mean, you can, <laughs> but probably shouldn't. Um, anyway, I don't know. Yeah. We've had a lot of those that are like, well, I'd be, nah, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you would do. Like, we don't want you to be in this situation. We don't want anybody to be in this situation. I, I 
this is not something you ever wish on anybody. That being said, until you have been in this situation, you don't get to tell somebody else what, what they need to do and not do. Yeah. That's just not fair. So this kind of got me thinking about kind of, because as Travis was saying, you know, he, he's in his 40s now and you start to, you grow up a lot, you mature a lot, and you start kind of looking back on your life and how would I have handled this at, you know, in my 20s versus how would I handle, how am I going to handle it now, you know? And I I honestly can say that the older I get, the more my tolerance for bullshit goes down. And so now I'm kind of like, you're either, I, I go full Anakin Skywalker with this shit now. Like, either you're with me or you're my enemy. That's pretty much where I'm at now. And I would say that that's just a product of age and life experience in that. Uh, and then this is where we were, we the topic of toxic relationships is coming in is I don't know how it is in all families. Um, in particular, I don't know how it is in all white families. Oh, so you gotta make, you gotta be like that. <laughs> no, but I can tell you that in most Latino families, you are pretty much bred that your family is your family, no matter what no matter what they put you through, no matter what they say to you, no matter how they harm you, both physically and mentally, they are still your family. That's the only one you're ever going to get. So you have to forgive, forgive, forgive. And I just call bullshit on that now. I I can't. Now, there are members of my family that I... It, it would be hard to break that. Like, I can't imagine... Just never having anything to do with my mom again. Ever. No matter what. My mom is my best friend. My dad? Mm, that's a little bit easier. Like, th that's a relationship I've never really had since I was born. So that's, n that's not hard. But there are, there are family members on, on my side that it's not been hard for me to sever that relationship. Because I have to take into account what is healthy for my family and what is healthy for myself. Well, without making this a, uh, it's about white people thing <laughs> like you did. That's not what I was saying. I was saying that in Latin families, you are family. It's it, we're like the Sawyers, the chainsaws family. That's yeah. how it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've always kind of had family that we only saw at weddings and funerals. And I think we've only ever been to one family reunion my whole life. I've been to more than I can count. And that was one more than I probably needed to go to. <laughs> so I would say that probably the number of people that I only see at weddings and funerals has just gotten a little bigger now. So that's, yeah. It's not really that hard for me to cut people off. So it it was, it is for me, but like I said, it's just, it's one of those things that's ingrained in your brain since birth is that you only get your one family and which it's if I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword right because when London passed I kind of had the thing about you know life is so short and everyone needs to put aside their differences and learn to love one another but 
I feel like that only goes so far. Like if you if you hurt someone past the point of being able to forgive them, I still don't think there's any coming back from that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the future, but I know right now it feels like I kind of just want to retreat into our bubble of four and wipe off the face of the earth most days. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be around yeah. anyone. <laughs> yeah. I get that too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly having to apologize to my friends because I'm like, I know I haven't talked to you in like a month, but you know, and I'm, I'm desperately hoping they're not mad at me for that. But sometimes that's that fight or flight. All I can do is just flight just retreat that's all i know to do yeah interacting with people is tough now yeah um i don't know because the conversation always always kind of comes back around to london even if you don't steer it that direction they're going to try to steer it that direction so i just kind of avoid conversations with people if it's possible um or yeah. the times where it needs to, they don't acknowledge it at all and make it about what they're going through. And it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a thing, too. So uh, anyway, but uh, so like I said, this this is kind of tying to this topic about, you know, what toxic relationships look like, I guess. So we're going to. I, I do also want to preface this with uh, Travis and I are obviously not any kind of mental health professionals. Uh, we are not. Well, I am am a medical professional, but that's in one particular field. So I'm still not <laughs> at liberty to hand out any real medical advice. So, you know, obviously we're just talking about our own life experiences, our own um, our own opinions. So, yeah, just, I, I guess, take this all with a grain of salt and, you know, and if it helps, I, I hope that it helps. So let's, let's stop, start kind of bottom tier here and work our way up. So I guess bottom tier being workplace, because I think that's the one that we can kind of disassociate with the most. We can kind of, for the most part, put that away when we get home, um, Let's see. Toxic workplace behaviors that damage mental health. Micromanagement. Uh, inclusivity. Blame. Lack of empathy. Self-entitlement. Lack of support and unrealistic expectations. I don't know that this is one job in particular. I feel I like... I know. You just described mine. <laughs> I was going to say, I just described mine too. <laughs> and for the record, with not with uh, the people, not with my coworkers, mostly... Uh, upper management because you know Travis and I when we get on this show we or you know for the most part we tend to be honest and more open booked about our lives in hopes that we'll help someone that being said there's still a great deal of what happens here in this home that we still don't feel like is up for the, the public to hear about there's still stuff that is just ours right and so the details surrounding London's death are still very, very private. We still only a handful of people know those details. And it has gotten to the point where at work, I'm going, do I need to just fucking sit down with my supervisors and explain to them minute by minute what happened that night so that maybe they can get some idea of what this family is going through? Would that help? 
would they go, oh, okay, I had no idea it was that bad, and maybe I could show a little bit more sensitivity? Or, because I'm just an employee, would that matter at all? I don't think it would matter at all. I think they would act like it mattered. They would act shocked and sympathetic. But at the end of the day, it's not going to change their decision-making process. It didn't happen to them. But you can bet that if it did happen to them, they're going to want all the empathy and uh, consideration in the world. You know? Right. So. But they don't care. It's always profits over people. Yes. Everywhere. Yeah. Micromanaging is not something I deal with well. I don't deal with it well at work. I don't deal with it well in my personal relationships, as I just went through a few minutes ago. I don't like to be micromanaged by anyone. Like, I am not an expert at life by any stretch of the imagination, but I am an adult, and I, even though I'm a grieving adult, a grieving parent, I'm still a functioning adult. Some days better than others, but I am still managing to get out of bed every morning, take care of my children, go to work, and be a wife. Yeah. So I don't, I don't need that. I don't deal with micromanagement where I'm at now. I have in the past at, at previous jobs. Um, so micromanage. So I was I was in management for a really long time. <clears throat> I'm just going to apologize because I'm not editing all this out. My allergies are kicking my ass. Um, I was in management for a really long time. And when you micromanage the hell out of people, all you do is you create a workforce that won't do anything until you say something. <laughs> They're afraid to take a step on their own because it's going to be wrong, right? Um, and so they will identify, see things that need to be done and not take steps to do it because they're waiting to be micromanaged by some asshat that doesn't trust them to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. I deal with exactly the opposite of that, um, where they don't want to talk to you at all. They would prefer that you just figure it out. Actually, that's something, that's a phrase that gets thrown out there. Well, you'll figure it out. Um, which is also dangerous because if you tell someone to figure it out and you provide no guidance, you don't know what kind of answer they're going to come up with. And sometimes the answer that they get to is not optimal. <laughs> sure as hell can't do that in the medical field. It is. Yeah. No, you can't. Someone could die. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, so there's sort of a happy medium there. I've always found that there's a happy medium where you give the people the tools and the knowledge to do the job and then you just kind of turn them loose and you watch. Right. And mm-hmm. if they get the desired result, and that's really, that's really it. If you clearly state this is what the end result should be and then just let them go toward in that direction, um, and then just provide support along the way. That's usually all it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, let people figure some stuff out, but don't make them have to figure out everything. Uh, I mean, they'll take a lot more ownership of it if they figure it out. People are a lot happier about it when they figure stuff out on their own. But you don't want to just send them out in the woods with a flashlight and say, well, good luck. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's sort of a balance there, but most places don't find that balance. Um well, because they hire managers. You've get, There's tons of managers out there. There's very few leaders out there. And that's the problem. And what's even sadder is that if you go into 90% of workplaces, and I'll include mine and yours in this, if you walk, you can walk up to any supervisor in there and ask them what the difference between a manager and a leader is, they won't be able to tell you. Or they'll tell you it's the same thing. And it's shameful. 
So yeah. Yeah, I don't deal with micromanagement. I deal with, um, please God, I hope they don't call me and ask me anything today management. <laughs> well, I, uh, I deal with a hoverer at work. And the thing is, this is not even one of my superiors. This is just a coworker. And they're in a completely different department than me. But the problem is, is they, they're good at what they do. And so they get done really fast and then they're bored. So they start hovering around the other departments, making sure they're doing their jobs. Or like, do you got anything? Do you got anything? Do you got anything? And me and my other coworkers in our department, we're sitting there like so frustrated because this person literally will come and put their head up behind your head in your personal space. Oh, man. And I hate it you know so what I would do? much. I think I might turn and look at him and go, since you don't have shit to do, why don't you go get me some coffee? <laughs> I would. So that Starbucks just I down would the be hall like, there? <laughs> since you ain't got shit to do, except stand on my shoulder, breathe in my air, you can go get me some damn coffee. Oh, it's so frustrating. And if you don't give me some coffee, then I need you to take three steps to the back the hell out of my space. And the, the, the sad <laughs> oh, thing is, I, I, know, stand that. I know the person means well. I know that they do. It, it, they're, they're harmless. But it's just... It's, uh, I, I, I just can't stand they, that. They need to be harmless from three feet away. Yes. <laughs> like if you're within, if I can, if I can reach out and touch you, you are too damn close. Yes. Yeah. If I can feel your breath, you are too damn close to oh, me. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. There are only a handful of people and, and coworkers included that I will allow in that space. Cause like I said, a lot of my coworkers are very close friends that I will allow in my personal space. But there are some people it's like. You have to get ludicrous with them. You, you don't know me like that. <laughs> back up, back up. <laughs> you know? Listen, I don't care how good of friends they are. If I can smell what kind of gum they're chewing, they're too close. <laughs> That's, no, absolutely not. That's a good way to catch a headbutt or something. <laughs> like, I'm going to need you to fuck right off. <laughs> Out of my space. But I don't know. And then going back to just a lack of empathy with people. It's like they get so laser focused into the task at hand that they don't understand that people have lives outside of their careers they have families you don't know what that person is going through and in order i i could never be management i don't want that type of responsibility but i think if i ever were in a position like that i think i would have to account for human emotion if your team is happy the department's going to be happy but a lot of upper management, they don't think in those terms. So generally speaking, a happier workforce turns out better work. Um, a lot of companies now talk about work-life balance, but they don't really mean no, it. No, they don't. It's just a good talking point. It sounds good on the news if they make it to the news. Um, yeah, it's tough. Well, actually, it's really, it's not tough. It's not tough. It's what the, Taking care of people is what got me canned at my last job. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Um, so people need their personal lives taken into account. I mean, I, I understand that as a business, there is a limit, but I mean, Jesus, most businesses can afford a lot more than they're willing to yes. give. Um, and if they would just do that a little bit, people would be a lot happier and they would do a better job. They would do more for they you. They would care about their job. But that's, yeah. again, that's part of, that's the leadership part where you take into account that these are all humans. These are humans that you have here um, that do shit other than work for you. And uh, sometimes life is messy and they need to be able to take care of that. So you should have contingency plans in place so that they can go do that. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, honestly, Jesus, if you have a, a person and they have something and you're like, yeah, no, go do what you need to do. Take your time. We'll be here when you get back. I mean, you, you, that I would be completely loyal to a company that would actually do that if I could find a company that would actually do that. Right. Uh, I mean, hell yeah. You need, the, you need the whole building move three inches to the left? Fuck yeah, I'm your man. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, which is why um, you're getting shit canned you're talking was about unfair. The, yeah, it was. Well... They actually asked me, are you sure this is the hill you want to die on? I said, it's as good a place as any. <laughs> but the ask was that I was I was supposed to terminate people that did not deserve it. And I said no. And that was sort of the beginning of the end. Um, yeah, that was a whole messy conversation. But anyway, uh, the problem with executives is they make their way to the top and they, they feel great about it. And they feel like... I'm here as a result of my hard work. And maybe your promotion was a result of your hard work, but you staying at the top is a result of someone else's hard work. Um, I told I told someone that uh, at the, my current job this the other day. I said, people in offices always forget that without a bottom, there is no top. It's the people at the bottom that make the top possible. If they're not out there, these entry-level jobs doing their thing every single day, then there's no company and you're unemployed. So stop acting like the people at the bottom don't matter because they are the ones that make your lifestyle that you enjoy so much possible. Yes. We allow you to go play golf. And they looked at me <laughs> like I had just started speaking uh, some Martian language or something. It was Greek to them. They completely did not understand that. Of course, they were in leadership. And they were in management. Let me rephrase that. They weren't in leadership. They were in management. And they had no idea what I was talking about. But, I don't know. I used to thank the people that worked for me for their hard work. I mean, it was their hard work that made it possible for me to do what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So let's just call it like it is. But businesses don't see it that way. Most don't see it that way. Every now and then you'll run into a rare... Uh, person. Uh, there's two that I can think of where I work at now that if I could go to work for them, I wouldn't heartbeat. Because uh, they're exactly that. But, yeah, they're rare. Most of them prioritize their own self-interest and the the profits of the company above everything else. Yeah. We've been talking about this one for a work long time. Work way, way too long. <laughs> when we've got way more board ones yeah. to cover. We shouldn't be giving these douches all of our energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so getting a little bit more into the meat of uh, this topic now. Um, one of the next articles I have pulled up is 13 Signs of a Toxic Parent. Now, Travis and I have both gone on record and said that we are not perfect parents. And I think kind of the first step to healing you know, the acknowledging you have a problem. Yeah. Is being self-aware that I'm just a human being and I'm not perfect and I'm going to fall short and make mistakes. Travis and I have repeatedly kicked our own asses on a day-to-day -day basis of how could this have been prevented? How could we have made this situation better? But for every toxic parent out there was a child of a toxic parent. So it's got to start somewhere, right? Sins of the father and all that. Um, why isn't it the sins of the mother? I mean, they could do it. <laughs> oh, believe it me, the mothers just, just the mothers are just as guilty. As a matter of fact, in my experience, the dad was all right. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Moving on. Um, let's see. Number one, they fail to provide you with affirmation and security. They are overly critical. They demand your attention. They make toxic jokes about you. 
they cause you to justify terrible behavior. They do not allow you to express negative emotions. They scare even their adult children. They always put their feelings first. They co-opt they co-opt your goals. They use guilt and money to control you. They give you the silent treatment. They ignore healthy boundaries. And lastly, they make you responsible for their happiness. And I think between the two of us... You just described my childhood. Yeah, and mine. Yeah, I would say between the two of us, we pretty much got this list covered. Yeah. I, I love my children dearly. Which is why, for the most part, I have made it my own personal rule book to not parent the way I was parented. Maybe to, maybe to my detriment and theirs, possibly. Um, Travis and I have, have, I don't want to say arguments, but we have had multiple discussions on, you know, should I parent the way I know to parent because that's all I know versus should we try to be better do we want to be the parents we wished we had had but there's also a fine line with that because you can't let your children just do whatever the fuck they want to do there'd be no law and order but at the same time the things that travis and i would get in corporal punishment was still how we were raised were they things that at the end of the day even mattered were they that important sometimes i got my ass whooped just because i had made mom mad at some point during the day and she would just let dad have it. You know what your boys did? And oh, there I got, we go. Yeah, I I got some of that myself. And I don't know. Like, I was really resentful about that for a really long time that dad had to come home and whoop my ass. But you know what? If I walked in the front door and that was the first thing you said to me, I'm going to whoop somebody's ass too. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, 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 like, before I even put my shit down, if all you did was just climb on my back and start whooping me about all the terrible stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I know people who are still struggling with some of these issues, too, apart from Travis and I. So I have told Aiden from jump, when you get to be an adult, you cease to be my responsibility. I will love you. You can never not come ask me for anything, including money. Because I am a firm believer and just because they have a job, just because they're an adult, doesn't mean that they don't need help from time to time. You should, within reason, let me get that out there, within reason, you should be able to help your children out financially with no stipulations. No, you have to pay me back. Because guess what, people? At the end of the day, we don't take it to the grave with us. I get this whole, I need to have money for retirement, but what good is that? If you didn't do your absolute best at making sure that the people you put on this planet are not a success. That it, that is going to be my one success, if, if nothing else in my life, knowing that I did everything that I could for my kids. You know? So that is, that is the thing that just makes me utterly insane. My mom has stepped up to the... My mom and dad, I will say. My stepdad have gone above and beyond this last half year with whatever Travis and I needed, we didn't even have to ask for. They were just like, I can see that you need this. I'm getting this. I can see that you need this done. I'm doing it. What do you need from me? And I fully intend to be the same way with Aiden and Isabel, regardless of whether they're over the age of 18 or have jobs. You know, I'm not talking about being an enabler. Let's get 
let's distinguish between those two things. If I have a child that is doing these things and taking advantage of the situation, there is a very big difference. But in the current climate that we live in where you can't even afford to buy a house anymore and groceries are through the roof and you're having to work multiple jobs just to get by, if he's doing what he needs to do and he's still struggling and I have it to give, I'm going to give. As much as I can, I'm going to give without any stipulation. Well, I think the good news is with both of ours, my, my goal as a parent when, when I became one, uh, was I just want my kids to have a better life than I did. Yes. Right. I don't want them to have to deal with the same shit that I did. And I feel like we've been pretty successful with that. Um, so one thing that Aiden's going to have when he turns 18 is a better education than either of us got. Yes. And I feel like that will set him up well as long as he can make good choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. There is a difference. He will be in a better situation. Uh, starting out financially than we were and it's not all about money it, that, that's kind of where we're going with it but it's yes. not all about money but um one of the things that i'm glad we were able to do for the kids is that they had a chance to be kids i didn't really get that because um, i was an employee so i didn't like the sleepovers and going places with friends and all that stuff i didn't do that when i was a kid because we had to work so one of the great joys of growing up in a rural community is that starting in kindergarten every day after school, guess where you're at? You're going to work, especially if you're dirt poor like we were. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of the, the childhood experiences that I didn't have and some of those things I didn't realize that I didn't have until I guess you had experienced some of that stuff. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Even right. like toys and candy and stuff. We were watching Countdowns and I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. And you were like, you've never had one of those? Like, no. Like, I didn't go to McDonald's till I was a grown-up. <laughs> Seriously? Seriously. Yeah. I thought you said that y'all would go on vacations. Uh, Just for breakfast. Like, we didn't really go either. The rare occasion we got to go to McDonald's was if somebody had a birthday party. Yeah. You know? It wasn't, it wasn't, we got to go once a month or once every six months even. No, it was, every now and then if it we was went, special. every now and then if we went on vacation, we would stop for breakfast, but that was it. Yeah. But um, yeah, they didn't spend their whole childhood working, um, had an opportunity to make friends. Um, both of them are not as socially awkward as I am. I yeah. didn't get socialized well when I was a puppy, so I don't make friends well or quickly or for very long. Um... <laughs> But uh, I, f I don't know. I feel like they're gonna, they're getting a better start. They're definitely getting a better start than than either of us did. Right. Because yeah, you had a lot of stuff in your childhood that they haven't had to deal with. Yes. I don't know if you want to go into any of that, but um, I th I think I've talked about it on the show before. Um, as a child, I was uh, emotionally abused. I was physically abused, and a couple of rare instances, I was even sexually abused. Um, and those thankfully are things that um, not all of the children have, have had to go through. Unfortunately, London did have an incident with a boy in church, um, which is one of the reasons that ultimately led to her, her death was some PTSD she was struggling with. Um, you you got to watch your kids in those cases. There, there's like, there's still kids to this, to this day that are just letting be 
allowed to roam freely and do whatever the hell they want. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a helicopter me a helicopter parent by any means. But it's another one of those things that there's a line. There's a line there. You know, Aiden is just now getting to have kind of some of the fruits of his freedom because he is a proper age for that. You know, if Aiden says, hey, me and a buddy of mine want to go an hour away to go get lunch, we let him do that now because he's he's an adult. You know, he, he has a job now. He, you know, he's paying for his own things. He should be allowed to have. He's just a few months away from voting. Yeah, he should be allowed to have some of those freedoms. Now, Isabel? No, not so much no. because she's nine. You know, um, London was kind of in the middle of that where she was getting to have some freedoms, but not all freedoms. And it drove her insane that Aiden would get to do things that she wouldn't be allowed to do. But again, it was that kind of what are they, what are they prepared for mentally, you know, ma maturity level. That's that's how we've always based things. Yeah, that's a that's a better way to put it. Yeah, like, Res responsibility wise. What, what do they have the maturity? to deal with yes. right now. But I think more to the other thing, you got to be really careful with kids in places that you think are safe. Yes. Because they're not necessarily safe. Just because they Fuck, claim to be... school isn't safe anymore. ...does not mean that it's a safe space. So you kind of... You don't want to... I don't want to be a helicopter parent, but at the same time, I keep keep a, a much closer eye on the kids. Yeah. Again, now. We, we trusted our child at church, and you can't... In school, and you can't... Those places that you think are inherently safe places are not. Places that should be. They're just not. Especially at school. I mean, Jesus, how many teachers and... How much administration do they have at a school? But, I mean, the one where our kids are at, I don't know. We've been talking about homeschool in Isabel after this we year. We have, yeah. Well, um, not after this year. We've, we've talked well, about homeschooling her. To to yes, exactly. Because yeah. the high school and middle school here are just catastrophic. They're They're... They're a disaster. <laughs> I don't... Yeah. Like, you ever seen Dangerous Minds? It's <laughs> not quite that bad, but it's pretty fucking close. Yeah. Or it, it seems like it is. And the administration's completely incompetent. Because um, even after even after what happened with London, like, they, they didn't do anything at the school. They had a motivational speaker. Uh, that was it. Was it PC principal? <laughs> it would have done about as much good. I don't know. They just completely ignored it. And London was the third... Student? Fourth. Fourth student in about a three-month period, wasn't it? And a handful of ideations after that. Um, this is a pandemic that's happening with our children right now. Not a pandemic. Pandemic's kind of a worldwide you know, thing. But I, you know what I'm saying. It's it's The kids are dropping like flies now, it seems like. And it's yeah. because nobody gives a shit anymore. Well, I mean, at this school specifically. So, Aiden, is, he's got a really good, close friend group. And they look out for each other. So he has not experienced some of the same problems that London had. Um, Isabel's different. All three of our kids are different. And, yeah, we, we've been really looking hard at maybe homeschooling her to keep her out of that environment. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. They are, let's talk about they're overly critical for a moment, shall we? We that don't have is... that much time. <laughs> I said for a minute, I feel like every person is going to have shortcomings. You know, like uh, like in my case, I'm short. I'm slightly overweight. Um, I did not. My, my education, 
I only picked up in the last year, if that tells you anything. I was in a situation where um, education was not necessarily a priority. You know, nobody pushed college. Nobody tried to do that. Travis and I are firm believers in continued education, which is why Aiden will be going to college. Um, but they want to. That's the difference. They want to have that continued education. We're not forcing them into it. And we're not telling them, well, when you graduate, you just go to work. That's it. Bill's got to get paid. M money's got to be made. You go to work. I'm, I'm not interested in that type of parenting. I'm, you go as far as you can to achieve your dreams and we will be here to support you in that. Um, when Aiden first started talking about getting a job, I was like, why don't we wor not worry about that right now? Why don't we concentrate on college first? And I got a look from somebody that was like, are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead ass serious. His education is more important than anything else because without an education, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with service jobs. This world would not operate without them. So I'm not dogging that type of job at all. But Travis and I, who were unfortunate enough that we did not get that continued education, those are jobs for us. If there's a child out there that wants to dig ditches for a living and that makes them perfectly happy, great if it makes you happy but if you say from nine years old i want to be a veterinarian when i graduate high school i'm going to say you go for it i don't know how we're going to do it but we're going to figure it out so aiden and i had a conversation and we we got online and started and looked at jobs and we had talked about like so what do you want to do when you're when you're a grown-up and you want to go on vacation or whatever or travel what are your you know what kind of hobbies are you going to, want to have you want to fix up cars what do you want to do and he kind of went through some things and travel was one of them travel he wanted yeah to travel mm -hmm. and i said that's fantastic do you know how expensive that is like what what kind of traveling you want to go like international travel take road trips he's like oh all of it okay so you're gonna to need to make quite a bit of money <laughs> and, he also um, wants to have lots of kids he does which means even more money. <laughs> yeah. Don't we know it? <laughs> I was like, so let's look at some jobs. And so we start looking at jobs and like, oh, let's say you need to make X amount of dollars uh, in order to support that lifestyle, at least initially. Let's say single guy and your rent maybe looks like this and, and all this other stuff. And so these are the kind of jobs. And we started looking at it and he's like, oh, you got to have a, you got to have a bachelor's degree for this. Oh, you need a PhD for this. You need this for this. I'm like, that's cool. He was like, ah, because this is when he was still on kind of the, on the fence about college and all that stuff. Mm. It's when he wasn't applying himself. It's only been the last couple of years that he's really decided he's going to work at it. Okay. Let's say, because he's always wanted to go in the medical field. Yeah, but he was not working at school like he actually wanted to yes, do Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, but what if you don't have one of those? And so we start looking at income, jobs that are sort of in my realm. And in yours, mm -hmm. with uh, you don't have college or anything like that. And he was like, I won't make enough money to do what I want to do with one of these jobs. I said, there you go. That's exactly right. So you need to figure out what, you're, what you want to do that you will be happy doing. You know, because you want to do something that you enjoy. You don't want to be stuck doing a job that you just fucking hate. Um, he said it all, settled on nursing, pediatric nurse is what he wants to do nurse practitioner ultimately he thinks that's what'll make him happy mm -hmm. and that's cool I'm like that's that's great so find a job that you enjoy doing that'll support your your life the lifestyle that you want to live if you want to travel find something that you enjoy doing that pays you enough to do that 
Yeah. Or just be a photographer for National Geographic. <laughs> right. I keep trying to, hey, you know, nobody but, wants that but job. If you want, <laughs> but if you want a bunch of kids, being a photographer for National Geographic is probably not the best. Unless you're setting up franchises all over the world. In which <laughs> but anyway, um, one that's one of those things is everyone is going to have shortcomings in their own way. And it is not a, the job of a parent to say, you can't do that. You're not big enough to play football. You're not smart enough to do this. You're not smart enough to do that. You know, be more realistic. I've, I've heard that be told to me about the kids. Well, you know, he needs to be a little bit more realistic. Not everybody can go off and be a lawyer or a doctor. Um, why not? Why can't they? You know, I know that not everybody's going to be able to go out and be independently wealthy. Yeah, that's something that's not attainable. But why can't you go out and be a doctor or a lawyer? Work your ass hard enough. There's plenty of people that have come from nothing and gotten those Listen, jobs. If Saul Goodman can be a lawyer, <laughs> anyone can be a lawyer. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I don't. I don't agree with constantly chastising people for all of the mistakes that they make wrong. People are going to fuck up. They're, they're going to make mistakes. That's, that's the human experience. But to constantly tell them, remind them of their mistakes. Well, you could have gone to college if you didn't do this. You could have done this if you didn't run off and get married. So just married remember, or... we're still talking about toxic parenting. Yes. Okay. Yes. Felt like you were starting to change subjects there. No, no, no. No. But you have parents that will constantly belittle you because of mistakes you have made in your life. And I don't agree yep. with, with that. Uh, making toxic jokes, qu jokes and air quotes about you, is something that I've had to deal with a lot. Um, not necessarily in my family. Um, you know, jokes have been made about my race and, you know, my other shortcomings as a person. Hey, at least you didn't grow up with it. Um, I didn't. And that's stuff that's going to stick with me forever, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, how, why am I somehow less because of where I came from? I, I didn't pick the family I was born into. That's not my fault. It doesn't make me any less than you. It doesn't make you any better than me, you know? And Aiden, you know, he tends, he's never gone out seeking to be friends with the more affluent children or anyone like that. Aiden has always been like, who can I relate to? He never had ambitions of being the popular kid just for that sake. He wants to be with people that are real and worthy and he can have a conversation with that's deeper than football. He, he enjoys the company of like-minded individuals. Yes. But the kid's got a good personality, so he was able to make good friends. But that's not on the topic we're talking about. No, I was, I was switching. I was... <laughs> Um, about the, the joking about, you know, because people often joke about your station, your, your class, you know, as if that's anything that you can help. I don't have any class. <laughs> Anybody that knows me will tell you that. I'm not a lady. <laughs> um, they do not allow you to express negative emotions or ignore healthy boundaries. I think those two go hand in hand. Um, like when you say, okay, when you have my kids, I don't want you to talk about these things. I don't want you to take them these places. I don't want you to give them these things. They get mad and they're like, well, I'm the, I'm the grandparent. And I've always had a problem with, 
that being, being a grandparent does not give you more rights. Yes. That is not how that works. Yeah. And I'll just be honest with my mother. Like if any either one of my grandmas had ever said that to her, I, she might have slapped them. Because she would have one hundred percent been. Who do you think you are telling me what to do with my kids? Yes. But she doesn't really have a problem doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I so, have always I said... I, we don't talk much, so... <laughs> I don't want religion. Um, all the things that tie into that. Uh, sexuality, politics. Any of those things that you are telling children, it is not okay to be this way because my religion says it's not. I'm not okay with that. In any capacity. And I am not going to do that to my grandchildren either. I'm going to trust the fact that my child knows how to parent their children. Now, if Aiden calls me and he says, Mom, my kid's colicky and I don't know what to do. Ah, ding, ding, ding. That is something I can help with. But when Aiden comes to me and says, Hey, Mom, my, my child is not listening to me or whatever. What do I do? I'm not going to say, Well, first of all. This is what you're doing wrong, and this is exactly how you need to do if it. If you'd whoop that kid. Exactly. Because, no. guess what? I made mistakes as a parent, too. So, Travis tells me I need to hurry up. <laughs> I did say that. We've covered two topics in an hour and nine minutes. Well, to be fair, we didn't really delve into We're the topic until... this dead horse till it dies again. <laughs> So moving on to, um, and and I said we were going to do this by tier, and I accidentally went over a lesser tier thing, and that is, are you dealing with a toxic friend? Um, signs of a toxic friend are, they tend to feed into or gravitate toward negativity. Um, hello, I'm that friend. Um, <laughs> I am not a positive person. <laughs> Indeed, you are not. Um, they cannot be happy for your success. Not me. Um, you are constantly giving more than you are getting. They cross the boundaries that you have set in place. Chaos and drama seem to surround them somehow. They project their insecurities onto you and they gossip to you about others or about you. I don't have that problem. Travis doesn't have this problem. <laughs> have He's problem. like, I don't have friends. <laughs> no, I do. I do. They just don't do that. Because people that do that, I don't deal with or talk to so that's fair um i will say that if you are dealing with a friend who is like this and i have been through more than one friend who i have been in these situations with i will say just to get this one out of out of the way quicker um they're not a friend worth having no just cut cut the cord let them go if if you want to fight for that friendship and maintain that friendship, then I would, in my personal opinion, again, not not expert level, I'm I'm always on difficulty setting. Um, sit down and have a talk with them about it and say this is how you're making me feel. You know, me, I celebrate my friends' success. I want them to do good. I'm not the type that's like, oh well, they're doing better than me, so I hate them. Like no, I'm like good, take me with you. <laughs> You know, celebrating their successes and have them and hopefully they celebrate in yours, too. Um, I, I deal with people who talk about about me behind my back a lot. And unfortunately, this is extended to family and not just friends. Um, I just choose to not associate myself with those types of people. I don't I don't go talk about people behind their back. 
except if I need to pass on information from one person to the other, that's important. But I'm, I'm not like, oh my god, did you hear my sister did blah 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 blah? Because what, what good does that do? You know? That doesn't help anyone. So if you want to save the relationship, try talking it out. If they're not willing to talk about it, move on. Friends come and go. You know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I've had some friends for the span of 20 years because we don't do this type of shit to each other. And that's why it's lasted as long as it has. That's what I'm saying. I don't have any friends like that because I don't deal with people like that. Okay. Let's see. Now we're going to get kind of get more into uh, the traits of toxic, toxic relationships. Um, so this is going to go more into like stuff maybe me and Travis have dealt with or have dealt with from past partners and so on and so forth. Um, toxic relationship behaviors include deflection, gaslighting, manipulation, justifying, and victim mentality. So I'm not going to go step by step like I have been for the other ones. Instead, I thought that Travis and I could take on a different approach on this subject, being this we are more, I think, <laughs> justified in talking about this one in particular. Um, so I think maybe a healthy exercise for us is to talk about what we acknowledge to be our toxic traits. For me, I will say that I have victim mentality down and I again part of part of solving it is acknowledging it and i tend to be one of those people that is kind of on the negative side of things i used to consider myself an optimist now i consider myself a pessimist um so victim mentality says the belief that other people's actions are frequently a slight or direct attack i do have that problem where i may be sensitive more sensitive to things than other things and tend to take things a little bit more personally however gaslighting can go into that where somebody tells you you're being too sensitive that didn't happen the way you think that that happened you imagined that happening that's not how i meant it and it, thus invalidating how you're feeling so but I do have that awareness that I tend to, if somebody says something, like uh, the kids used to do this thing that would drive me nuts where they would come home and they'd say, my teacher yelled at me. And I'm like, mm, did they really yell at you? Or did they tell you you were doing something wrong and you didn't like it? So I fully acknowledge that I might also have that problem. <laughs> where, <laughs> And I don't mean just Travis. I mean the world at large, you know. A friend, coworker, uh, somebody online or whatever can say something, and I'm like, they hurt my feelings, and I'm sad, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna let it ruin my whole entire day. And then Travis will come home, and I'll say, this person hurt my feelings because of whatever. And I don't, I know that not everything is a direct attack on me. I'm just hyper critical to those things. Yeah, I got a problem with gaslighting. Not I. Not that I have a problem gaslighting. I just, I feel like it, that that phrase, that terminology, has just become a convenient way for people to try to shoot down people saying stuff to them they don't like. Or you just made everybody clutch their pearls. Or that they don't want to hear. 
Because sometimes people freak out about shit. And you're like, it's not that serious. They're like, stop, stop gaslighting me. No, seriously, motherfucker, your car is not on fire. You stumped your toe. It's not that serious. <laughs> like, I, I just feel like gaslighting is a convenient term for people to use anytime. Yeah, anytime they, somebody says something they disagree with. Or if they call them out and they're like, hey, that's, it's, not that, it's not that big a deal. Why are, you, why are you acting like that? And they're like, you're gaslighting. No, seriously. You ask for no tomatoes. They put a tomato on there. Fucking take it off. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> what it is is that people want to take make everything an emergency now. They want to make everything an event. Like every little feeling they have is supposed to be an event. And when you tell them, like, no, it's not. It's not an event. Like you just need to grow up a little bit and get over it. And you're gaslighting. No, just seriously. Jesus. You're being a little sensitive right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're being a little sensitive. <laughs> and you need to acknowledge that sometimes you're overly sensitive about shit. It's not important. I used to get really bent out of shape about shit that wasn't that important. And I have had to realize that I do that. And now sometimes make a conscious effort to go, okay, this is not that big a deal. Maybe I'm gaslighting myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> I fucking hate that word. He really, really hates that word. I do. Heaven help me if I bring that up in a conversation. No, it's, it's because most of the time it's not that big a deal. Like, it's not the end of the world. I don't know. But, yeah, people freak out about shit. I, I drove by a wreck the other day. They had, like, three ambulances and two fire trucks there. I'm like, Jesus Christ, it was a fender bender. <laughs> Why do you need that many people there? Who the hell did you call to get that much emergency responders there? Anyway, I don't know. It's Maybe that's normal. It just... People dwell in self-importance now, right? And anytime you disagree with that, they're like, no, really, I'm special Mama says my butt's shiny and better than everyone else's. My butt is better than everyone else's. I don't it's think like, you'll disagree. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree, but you know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, though. Yes. You're mad at me because I used the G word. I hate that word. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, that that behavior doesn't exist and that it doesn't happen. But I'm saying that it gets overused in situations where it should not apply. I can I can see that. And people use it as a convenient way to retaliate against someone who's saying something that they don't like. They want whatever it is that they're doing or feeling or whatever to be the biggest emergency on the planet right now. And anytime you're like, no, it's really it's not that big a deal, then they get mad. And so that's how they retaliate. Okay. So your turn. I'm th I'm throwing you the ball. What am I talking about now? If you were to acknowledge that you had a toxic Oh, I'm not Trait. good at paying attention. That's, <laughs> that's one. I'm not good at paying attention. A toxic trait. Do I just have to name one or do I have to go through all of them? Just we get one. That kind of time. Just one. I only named one. Okay, so one. And I'm, aw I'm aware that Melissa is many. So, all right. I'll just go for the easy one. Oh, my God. And what fun <clears throat> is that? It is fun. So... I think, like, when I'm at work, everyone should work as hard as I do. And it pisses me this off. This is relationship. Huh? Relationships, not outward bound. I don't want to do relationships. That's what it. That's what this topic is. I wasn't listening. I already told you. I'm not good at, <laughs> I'm not good at paying attention. No. <laughs> Toxic relationship trait. I'm not good at... 
expressing my own emotions or relating to other people's empathizing emotions. i don't have that like i and it's not on purpose it's not like i don't know that did not get installed on my model <laughs> necessarily <laughs> i just yeah is is this toxic are they saying that it's like it's something that you can fix or that it's something that you have control over and you should like how are we doing because so sometimes and i know you've felt a trait this, that could harm someone else close to you, you have I felt guess. this in our marriage that the the empathy thing but it's not on purpose and i don't realize that i'm doing it um and that could be the thing when you're like you're gaslighting me and i'm like it's not that big a deal <laughs> like, um but i wonder if it's the empathy thing but i just struggle with that I've always kind of, I don't know. It just doesn't, those things, it just doesn't occur to me. And it's not like a conscious fuck you kind of deal. It's just, that is not the thing that pops into my mind. And as far as expressing my emotions, I'm uncomfortable with those. So I choose not to share them most of the time. So that's probably mine. Or yours could be added this next list that I have. The seven types of toxic people. The protector. This person straddles the line between being toxic and trying to protect you. They will try to talk to... Ooh, sorry. I don't mean this. It says it, not me. They will try to talk you out of your dreams because they're afraid you might fall. Uh, let's see. The liar. The per This person doesn't need a lot of explanation. They lie. <laughs> to you. For you. About you. You cannot trust them. They are toxic. The narcissist. Narcissists take credit and give blame. They never admit fault or take responsibility. They also do not apologize. Why would they? They've done nothing wrong. The critic. The critic makes it very known that they don't agree with you. You are always doing something wrong in the critic's eyes. God, I could think of two people right now. Um, the controller. This person needs to control things. This person needs to control the things that you do and sometimes the things that you say. If you're not careful, they will try to control the things you think. Wow, that's a scary notion. Uh, the victim. I'm not raising my hand. Um, <laughs> the victim is always right. Things. <laughs> things are always someone else's fault. Everything happens to them. They refuse to take responsibility for the things in their lives. Okay, to be fair, I do not exhibit all of these traits, okay? Um, and lastly, the judge. This person is always finding fault in others. No one can ever live up to their standards. In fact, they are probably judging you too. Wow, I, again, I know that person. So, any more? Any of those sound familiar? I could probably take some out of a couple of those for me, but I don't think I fit any one of those completely yeah i would agree with that because i see some protector in you there's a little bit of that but i don't try to talk you out of doing shit you want to do because i'm afraid you're going to fail no it's fall actually, or fall it's actually totally is the it fail or fall oh it's fail sorry yeah. i just know you're gonna fail yeah that's not me um i've tried to encourage you to do stuff and you're like no i can't do it <laughs> i know right you can totally be a lab tech actually no yes, i can't yes you totally could i can't chemistry <laughs> but I would agree that, yeah, there's probably some stuff on there for me. Okay, let's see. I 
think Oh, oh, let's do let's do one more that might make Travis mad. <laughs> Great. Just so you have a clarification. These are the things that a gaslighter might say. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I need so a drink. we took a small break for for the listeners. We took a small break to go pick up Aiden from work, and we had a running gag from the house to Aiden's job. Going, stop gaslighting me! All right, stop. <laughs> you know, it's in good fun. But anyway, okay. Thanks, gas a gas my lighter, a gas my lighter, a gas a gas my lighter. Okay, um, I never said that. You're crazy. It's all in your head. I was only kidding. Do you know who I am? Wow, really? That's one? I've actually heard people say that before. I have too. Uh, you're just too sensitive. You're always too emotional. You can't take a joke, can you? Stop taking things so personally. You're reading too much into this. I'm not yelling. I'm just discussing. Think of what I said, not how I said it. <laughs> you're the only one who seems to think this is a problem. I have been told a vast majority of these. Yeah, yeah you have. <laughs> I've told you some of those things. You've told me the majority of the them. The thing is, is that you just admitted that you are too sensitive about things. <laughs> I said some things. Yes. <laughs> but there are things, and here's the thing. I'm not necessarily putting this on you. Because I oh, can think of I a person, I can think of a person in my life that has literally told me all of everything in this list except for do you know who i am because who in the right fucking mind says i've heard that, that before <laughs> i have heard people say that and i'm like no i don't know who, the fuck you are. <laughs> who, who are you i don't care who you are but yes a, a person that i've chosen to uh, omit from my life for the time being has literally said every single one of these sentences to me wow and whoa to see it in print it's something okay so we wouldn't tell you all of these things without giving some healthy alternatives. And then we will move on to questions so that Travis can go do whatever he wants to do. That's more fun. No, I just feel like this is taking a long time. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go from healthy to unhealthy to abusive. So take this a little bit more seriously. Um, healthy is enjoying each other's company. Open communication trusting each other, mutual respect, resolving conflicts in a healthy manner, improvement in self-esteem, supporting each other, making decisions together. I think we're pretty good. We're pretty good at these. We're not perfect. We but do some of those things. I feel like we try. We openly try to do those things. Let's see. Unhealthy. Only wanting to spend time with your partner. <gasps> Ooh, ding, 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 ding. That's a you. Uh, frequent arguments. No. Uh, massive trust issues from both ends. No. Lack of respect for each other. Unable to resolve conflicts in a healthy manner. Boundaries are always ignored. Trying to run away from difficult conversations. Constant criticisms about each other's life choices. Mm, I would say if nobody ever has at least a couple of these, then is it really a relationship? But... I feel like as long as you acknowledge those and you actively try to improve upon them, then you're still okay. Um, now, abusive. 
And these are the ones that I would say you absolutely should not tolerate under any circumstances. Are we still talking about friends here? No, no, no. This is relationships. Okay. You changed gears and I missed it. No, I've been on relationships for a little while. I was just saying that family has had some of these traits also. Um, Okay, abusive. Trying to control who you should spend time with. Gaslighting and manipulation. Severe lack of trust. Absolute lack of respect. Resolving conflicts turns out to be destructive. Zero respect for boundaries. Lying and manipulating each other. Making humiliating and offensive comments. We don't do these. No. I can say that with full no. confidence. I've known people that... I, I, that I have that, seen but, people have relationships like that. Um, so, before we kind of move on, just to, to wrap this up. Again, Travis and I are not experts in, in any of this stuff. Just want to throw that out there again. But we have been through this stuff. We are currently going through this stuff. So, kind of to go back to what I was saying in the friendship portion of this it's not going to matter if it's a friendship uh workplace family and or your partner if it's a relationship that you feel is worth fighting for or you like your job and don't want to go anywhere you you want to save the relationship you want to save the friendship uh, you don't want to turn your back on your family although in a lot of cases i would say maybe that's exactly what you need I will say that sometimes just trying to talk it out with somebody, open up a dialogue, sometimes will, sometimes, not always, maybe be what you need. Sometimes you're going to deal with people who have no interest. They don't think they're doing anything wrong. And in fact, trying to confront them on the subject will lead to a fight, which is why in most cases, Travis and I just, with other people, not ourselves, we, he and I talk about our issues, but with other people, we just tend to opt out because in the end, I, I, at least I know on Travis's part, it's not worth it. It's not worth the fight. It's not worth the hurt feelings. It's not worth saying the things that you can't take back. And I think he's afraid in his case, there won't be anything to go back to. That, that that's just it. And maybe he doesn't care if, if there's nothing to go back to. I, on the other hand, I do care because it's not just about me and him. It's about our kids too. And I don't want our children not being able to see their family or have relationships with their family. Well, that's the reason I haven't. That's the reason those conversations that you keep pushing me to have have not happened. Right. I won't just, I won't just burn the bridge. I will burn that motherfucker down and salt the earth. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then the kids won't. It'll be, it'll be done, done. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons that conversation you keep pushing me to have is never going to happen. Even though if they listened to this episode, <laughs> it'd be out in the open. <laughs> it would, and we still wouldn't have that conversation. It'd be like, you ain't ready for this jelly. <laughs> I'll just gaslight the shit out of them. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have a podcast. <laughs> you need to listen to what I said, not how I said it. No. Stop I being j- so fucking sensitive. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just... I'm I'm going back to that whole thing about life is too short. I don't, I don't like to hold grudges. I don't want to hold grudges. Can I? Oh, you bet I can. But do I want to? No. I don't. 
and for everybody and oh man if i had a nickel i'd have a shit ton of nickels for every person that has said london wouldn't want you to do that and it's really as insensitive as this is about to sound i get so angry because i am legitimately still fucking angry at this entire situation my first response is always i mean i don't say it i think it I've, I've had to, I've drawn blood biting my tongue so many times, but what I want to tell people is London doesn't want anything right now. And I'm sure that that is going to offend people. But the sad fact of the matter is she isn't here anymore. She doesn't know how I'm feeling or Travis or her siblings. She doesn't want anything. So the best thing I can do is bite my tongue and say, I know, I know she wouldn't and not turn into a fight. I don't feel that way. I don't because I don't know that girl and she personality was, was a lot like me. She was. And when they're like, she wouldn't want you to do that. Oh, you are so wrong. She, yes, she would. She would think it was funny. She would think it was hilarious for me to tell you exactly where to stick it. Yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when London was my, she was my defender. She was my justice warrior. If she was going to pick on me, that was all well within her right. But if anybody else came after mom, that was it. And she would tell you exactly what where to go, where to stick it, and everything else. Because you don't talk to my mama like that. Yeah. All those people out there that are like, well, she wouldn't, you clearly did not know that girl. No. Clearly did not. London would she, absolutely defend herself. She would she and would fight. The people she loved. So I just wish she had more of that love for herself. Yeah. You know? But if if someone is doing you that way, you don't have to put up with it. You don't. You you owe yourself enough love and self respect to and Travis can roll his eyes at me, but you owe yourself enough love and self-respect to say i don't deserve to be treated that way i don't deserve to be talked to that way and it has taken me all of my 40 years on this earth to finally get to a point where i can tell people that and if that makes me have to be alone and not have any friends and not have anything then as long as i have travis and i have my kids and the people who love me i'm good with that yeah but we're not friends no, we're, we're not, lovers. We're not, no, we're not friends. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to that? No. Okay. I think I've said enough. <laughs> I mean, I didn't talk a lot, but we probably I both said have. a lot. <laughs> I said some shit that made me really wonder who listens to this podcast. <laughs> ruh ruh raggy nah, nah, they'll get over it. <laughs> I'll just be like, nah, that's not what I said. Anyway. Okay. So we have questions from Karima because... God damn it. We can always count on Karima for questions, even if nobody else does, because she loves us. Um, I think she likes making me squirm. I think that's what it is. <laughs> like, anytime you say Karima sent questions, I just, like, die a little on the inside. <laughs> Butt pucker a little I know bit. This is not going to be fun for me. It's going to be hilarious for you and not fun for me at all. Okay. Um, first question is... What was your first concert, play, other live performance? Okay, so 
That's cheese. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, queso. Oh, okay. Yeah, queso. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> I, I do dad jokes so rarely that when I throw them out there, they don't get it. Yeah, that's fair. Because anyway. I'm the dad joke maker. Me and Aiden. Actually, Aiden is the dad joke I was maker. Say, it's, yeah, it's between the two of us. Um, so I know we talked about my first concert, and I hated it, and I'll never go back. But my first live performance ever... Uh, Took a trip to New York City, actually, and saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway, and it was amazing. There you go. I am uncultured. You are. Swine. (laughs) So, technically, the first live performance I saw, I was probably 10 or 11, and we saw The Phantom of the Opera on Ice at SeaWorld. So, I don't know that that counts, per se. (laughs) So, going off of that, my first, Travis looked at me like I was one of those fucking goth kids from South Park, per se. Um, I bet you drink wine out of a can. <laughs> Clamato. <laughs> per se. Um, so, uh, technically, I guess the first thing I ever went to was a concert, and that would have been in the before times that I'm not allowed to talk about because my husband is toxic. I'm kidding. Um It was my 18th birthday, and an ex-boyfriend took me to a concert for my birthday, which was Kid Rock, Cringe, um, Buck Cherry, also Cringe, and Fuel, which I still love, so that's okay. Uh, But yeah, that was my first thing. Super excited. Nosebleed section. Everybody looked like ants, but pretty much every concert experience I've had has been that, so... (laughs) Anyway, okay, second question, (laughs) and this is the one that's going to make you squirm ready what in your opinion is a totally overrated and underrated sex act kitties it is time to leave the room if you are underage (laughs) just want to say that (laughs) do you want me to go first i think that broke me (laughs) i heard your words and my brain just said nope Nope. Kareem is trying to get to know you better. <laughs> okay, that's really personal, though. <laughs> like, when you want to get to know somebody, you ask, what's your favorite color? Who's your favorite band? Not like, what's an overrated sex act? <laughs> and underrated. Do you want I mean, me to go first? <laughs> no, I mean, I can. I can. <laughs> His ears are turning red. <laughs> you want to know one more personal thing That's about Travis when he's embarrassed? The rest of my face. When he's embarrassed, he doesn't blush, but his ears do turn red. Um, overrated sex act. Blowjobs. Gee, thanks. No, I'm just. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think for some guys it's it's like a power thing. You know okay. what I mean? It's like the that whole toxic alpha bullshit thing i don't know i just it's fine <laughs> just I, I think they're overrated and i i actually look like i could be performing the act right now because i'm so agape that i could be catching flies so <laughs> <sighs> i don't even know how to respond to that i i can we delete can we no, I am now I am questioning myself. Uh, you just ruined all my street cred. I It's not personal. <laughs> Is that gaslighting? It's not about you. 
<sighs> underrated. Moving on. Moving underrated. on. Underrated. I don't. I don't know. Dirty Sanchez. Probably underrated. I don't even know what that what's is. a fucking dirt. What's a Dirty Sanchez? I have no idea. Okay. Um, so you know what underrated means? Yes, I know what underrated <laughs> means. Do not be condescending. Um, You're taking it too personally. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Knocked over my phone. An underrated sex act. Uh, you'll have to come back to that one. I don't. I don't know. Okay. Uh, overrated for me. Do you want to hear something spicy? Uh, I'm going to either way. There is nothing overrated. Drops Mike. Boom. Okay. I. Well, at least I know I fucked up. I am a very sex positive person. Uh, for me, there is nothing off limits as long as it is safe and consensual. Our safe word is pineapple juice. It is pineapple juice. Um, <laughs> yeah, as long as it is safe and consensual, party on, Wayne. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at. So, um, underrated. I'm going to go BDSM. What? <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I know that's saying a lot about me. My favorite movie is Hellraiser. Okay, like, come on, come on. So when you say you you're the you you're the victim, <laughs> that's a lifestyle. <laughs> I is again, long as you don't get carried away, you know. I'm 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 not opposed to your little Christian Grey activity. I hated that I just used that reference. Yeah, why did you choose that? <laughs> because I couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> so do I need to get like some Judas Priest leather? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not talking about any any uh, ball gag type of stuff. I'm just saying a, a little pain is not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. All right. Well, I'm done. <laughs> See, I'm clearly the fun I, one of the you relationship. You are the fun one. Of the rela- <laughs> you, you know what? You didn't have to spring that on me right now. <laughs> Like you took advantage of this platform, dude. <laughs> God damn. So that still leaves you at underrated. Uh, nothing <laughs> is underrated. I don't know. I thought we had to be specific about this, and you were just like, nothing is overrated. Because there's not. I I don't have any problem with it with an, any act. Okay, I should also throw in there. Um, it should not involve animals because I I do no, have. That's, that's bestiality. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's illegal. I do have a problem with that. But, you know. Thank God. Me, me, and, uh, I was going to say, me and a partner. I guess I should be more specific. Me and you, so I don't get in trouble. Um, no, I I am literally down for anything. So, okay. All right. Now that, now that so I'm, I'm probably I'm glad red. you were able to clarify that <laughs> for everybody. Hey, everybody. I didn't ask the question. I, You know what? This means that, like, people in Australia know that about you now. If they Good listen night, to this Mike. episode. <laughs> wait a minute. Don't you, don't you have a friend in Australia? I do. I, I'm sorry, Kate. I'm, I'm okay. Wait, wait, wait. I'm okay with Kate knowing these things. Um, so. <laughs> underrated. So this is going to be underrated from a guy's point of view. Okay. I feel like foreplay is underrated by most guys. I... Enjoy, wow. I enjoy that part. That is awful mature of you to say. Yeah. Well, I'm getting older. Takes longer to get warmed up. <laughs> you gotta 
to preheat the oven before sticking in the turkey. Damn right. <laughs> it's like an old lawnmower. You're, you're going to be out there pulling on it for like 30 minutes before it starts. Oh my god. So this is going to be the last episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got a snort. We haven't had a snort on here in a long time. Oh, we haven't. <laughs> okay, um, moving can on. We, can we go to the next one, please? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Why don't we bring the room back down a little bit? Nah. Um, what is your favorite article of clothing that you own? Seriously, we're going from sex to favorite tears. article of clothing. Yeah, to tears, literally, probably. <sighs> My Deftone shirt. Yeah. Mine in the in the same vein. Mine's probably going to be my Joy Division shirt. Because if uh if anybody has seen the photos upon photos upon photos that I have posted of London since she passed, um one of my favorite pictures is her birthday, um, the week before she died. We took her to Guitar Center for a surprise. And there's a photo of her sitting down to play guitar, and she's wearing my Joy Division shirt, and she just has the biggest smile on her face. Yeah, I took that picture. Yeah, so that's... That was... So speaking of maturity on my part, that was like an $8,000 guitar she was holding, and I didn't say a word. Yeah. On the inside, I was a little wound up. (laughs) Like, please don't drop that. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. So that is, yeah, right now that's my most treasured article of clothing yeah. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I would have picked one of her shirts, but oddly, none of them fit me. <laughs> uh, looks like I'm wearing one of those 80s half shirts that guys used to wear. Oh, you mean the what I did to my Dr. Wolfula October shirt? Yeah. Yeah I, yeah. I bought it and guys, well, unisex shirts don't look very good on me because I'm kind of short and stumpy. So I t- turned it into a crop top. So, sorry, Doc. Well, see, I could wear some of her shirts, but it, you would just see, like, my furry belly button. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. Oh, they, you know, it's useful whenever you need to stick a balloon to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're wearing socks on carpet and you need to, like, shuffle. Yeah. And then zap the hell out of somebody. Well, again, Pina. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, How did we go from sex to shirts? I don't I understand s- that. Like the, I feel like you should have reordered those questions. Hey, I just read them in the order she asked them, so, yeah. Anyway, final question. And I have thought about this one a lot. And well, I'm, I'm glad you got time to do the reading because sure. you didn't tell me what it was. Yes, I did. I most certainly did. I, okay, how many times do we have to talk about this? I don't pay attention well. <laughs> Rewrite The Matrix, but make it horror. Hara. Uh, didn't they do that already, kind of? I mean, weren't the second and third Matrix movies kind of horrible to watch anyway? <laughs> <laughs> the cave dance? I mean, wasn't that a horror You know movie? what makes me upset is that I did it. I did the assignment. Did you? And then I'm pretty sure they already did it in the movie, which okay. would have been this last one that they did, the this most recent one. Okay. With, with my boyfriend in it. Um... And I don't mean Keanu. Um, so the idea that I had was... Uh, 
everything that is happening is literally happening in Neo's mind. The Matrix does not exist outside of his own head. It is a construct of his own imagination. Therefore, Neo is completely out of his mind, has lost his mind, and all of these people that he's, quote, fighting, he's straight up murking. Okay. Um, it, it's essentially a cult of people, of these like-minded individuals who are all fucking nuts, and they're all going around murdering people, claiming that they are, you know, robots or unsentient insentient what's sentient <laughs> no no the opposite of sentient that's why i said insentient unsentient what's the word for that unscented unsent <laughs> <laughs> they're all going around killing people and claiming it's because it's the matrix okay um the scenes that you have of him like um getting the little rope you remember the first one he had like that little robot camera thing in his tummy yeah like he didn't have that done to him he did that to someone else and while he thinks he's fishing this or getting this fished out of himself he's literally gutting somebody okay you know um he's telling people to jump from one building to the <coughs> other but when they're jumping and everybody thinks oh they've made it across no they're splattering on the bottom so yeah, it's, it's, it's like this weird cult of people who think that this thing exists and they're performing all of these actions in real life to very ghastly, messy results. Okay. And I suck at this. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Karima. That was all I could come up with. So, just <coughs> sort of off the cuff, like, what if it wasn't robots, it was aliens and they were keeping human alive, humans alive in pods? And doing the whole VR thing, like the virtual world thing, and that is all normal. Like, that part's the same, but they're really using humans for food. And that's why they're keeping us in the pods. Soylent Green is people? Yes. Wow. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Was there, were there aliens in that one? No. Okay. I don't think so. I think it was just people. Yeah. I, people I don't eating people. Don't, don't come after me. But yeah, that's why they're, but they use the VR to keep everybody unconscious to what's happening. Hmm. Okay. And you replace Keanu Reeves with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Not the robots. That's Not right. the aliens, I mean. <laughs> That's right. Not the aliens. Oh, there are my uh, eyes. <laughs> you replace Trinity with Jennifer Tilly. Wow, that'd be uh that'd be wild. It'd be great. <laughs> I didn't think of the cast. Can I still keep Yaya Matina Abdul the second? Well, I mean, I guess you can. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. We both suck at this. I'm, I'm not good at, you know, taking things and making them horror. So, I don't I don't know. More like I could probably take a horror and make it a comedy instead so of or the, a romantic comedy. So, the problem for me with The Matrix is that it's already kind of horrifying if you think it about is. it. It is. It really is, yeah. If you... If you really, yeah, if you really think about it, like, what if that was the real thing that was happening? That's already kind of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. You know? Where Especially you're really, the human crops like you were talking about. Yeah, where, like, you're really just in this pod, and everything you're experiencing is only in your head, and none of it really exists, and you're actually just a human battery. Yeah. 
Like that, it is a horror movie. It just they pegged it all out of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make that darker, and it would almost stand on its own as a horror movie with just a few tweaks. Right. I mean, so. if if we want to be really honest, because I, I think it was several months ago we said, hey, what if we start exploring films outside of horror, but kind of horror adjacent? This could qualify technically. Could. You know, we talked about discussing A Clockwork Orange at some point, and while not overtly horror, it could be horrific, you know? Just saying. Yeah, it could be. Maybe. <laughs> I always felt like he deserved it, though. Like, he, all the way to the uh, end, I feel like he deserved it. I can't. I love Alex DeLarge. This is why I have a crush on Malcolm McDowell. He was such a jackass, though. He was, but he was... Like, he went around just beating people up and raping women. I know, so I know, I him know. him getting brainwashed and then getting stomped out at the end, that he deserved it. He just... Okay. What, what was it me and Aiden were talking about? Um, oh, we were talking about Patrick Bateman. Again, scum of the earth. But there was that scene right after he killed... Uh, what whatever Jared Leto right after he killed him and he does this thing where he kind of flips his collar looks like he's dusting himself off or whatever and it just oh so hot I used it in the in the mock trailer for our, our social media um and Adam was like mm! and, and I, I looked at him and he's like I'm attracted to crazy what can I say I'm the same way like yes Alex is a horrible horrible garbage can of a person but Malcolm McDowell's portrayal of him he was charming and funny and magnetic and even there at the end where he's kind of getting his comeuppance at least I can't help but feel just the tiniest bit of empathy for him and London was the same way and she loved that movie so much and so I've got a soft spot for it even more now I I still like the movie I just you remember that empathy empathy thing I told you about? Yes. Yeah, I don't feel bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like I'm complicated. He completely deserved everything he got. Yeah. Didn't didn't we just establish <coughs> that my brain's a little twisted? Yeah, that you're wrong. Yeah. We just we <laughs> talked about how you were being wrong. <laughs> but no, we can, I'm, I'm open to covering the matrix sometime. Is that what Karima wants? I I don't know. She didn't say Does anything. She want about us it. to do that? She said make it horror crush question mark. So that's that's that. I did the assignment. Even if I was bad at it. Yeah. So, anyway, do you guys want us to cover The Matrix? Is there something else you want us to cover? Be sure to let us know. But until then, this has been another episode of Pillow Talk. Next week, we will be back on schedule with regularly scheduled episode of Dead and Married, where we will be moving on into Spooktober, October, or whatever name you want to give it. And we will be covering 2000... We're going to be talking about a movie. <laughs> I can't remember. I want to say 2008, but I think we're I'm We're doing wrong. Nightmare Before Christmas. No, we're not. We're doing Trick or Treat. I thought we were doing Nightmare Before no, Christmas. No, we're not then doing Then why that. did you make me watch Nightmare Before Christmas? Because I wanted to. But we are going to cover it for October. But yeah, no, we're doing Trick or Treat first. That is what we said last week. Yeah. Trick or Treat. That's what we're covering next week. So. God damn it. Be there, be square, like Travis is a square. 
That's probably all right. Travis is a square. He thinks BJ's are overrated. So you know what? It's gonna follow me around forever. <laughs> it is. It is. And now I'm so insecure with myself, and you have no one to blame but yourself. I. That's. This is true. You've just told the entire world that I'm bad at BJ's. No, how, I did how not. How do you feel that's about yourself now? Yeah, how do you said. feel about yourself now? I, I feel fine. <laughs> on that note we will see you next week on that gaslighting <laughs> you're gonna piss so many people off <laughs> yeah it must be saturday <laughs> it happens a lot take care guys bye since travis doesn't know technology i'll i'll say it that's just what we call pillow talk baby